The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I'd like to talk to you about the quantedge.com, one of the new DFS websites in all of the land. They started with football, then we moved on to basketball, now they're on to baseball. Tons of great content over there, tons of great tools, more and more tools coming down the line. The Vegas tool just came out. They have a stat cast tool coming out very shortly and much, much more to go with the lineup optimizer, umpire tool, weather tool, and such and such and such. Great stuff over there at quantedge.com. And if you want to try the MLB DFS season package for $124.99, use promo code Bubba. If you want to just get the all sports for one month for your first month for $19.99, promo code Bubba. Or if you just want to try all the sports for five days for $5.99, promo code Bubba. So that's the MLB season package for $124.99, the first month all sports for $19.99, or a five-day trial for $5.99 using promo code Bubba at thequantedge.com. Also, if you can get a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. It would help more and more people hear about the podcast and move us up the rankings, and it would be pretty awesome. So I'd really, really appreciate that. With all that being said, welcome to Bench with Bubba, episode 164, with Mike Alexander talking about the Fly Ball Index and Week 4 Waiver Wire Editions. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 164 going to be joined by a friend of the podcast he's been on the show a couple times talked to him a lot off the webs as well but really good guy you can find him over at uh, fantasy alarm you can find him over at friends and fantasy benefits he's all over the place and we're gonna talk about his new fly index tonight plus some waiver wire action and much much more he's on twitter at roto underscore Juan mike alexander how you doing my friend doing good bubba how you doing man Doing good, doing good. It's baseball season. I'm happy as I can possibly be. It's a home run derby on a nightly basis, and that kind of can correlate with that fly index we'll talk about tonight. It's going to be kind of fun there. What do you mean, Bubba? Tom Lestella hasn't you know, had multi-home run games in a season before? You, you know what? Like, you, you hit the nail on the head. If, when, if anybody ever tells me <laughs> that there's not a possible juice ball and they can explain to me how Tom Lestella has two multi-home run games this season, and it's April 22nd, um, I'll, I'll, I'm all ears. I really am. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I've got Listella and Gerard Dyson on my FWFB 30 team. There's 30 teams in it. Uh, nice. So, you know, you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel and those guys are just providing a ton of power for me. And that's great. Cause I know you guys have your little, um, your writers chat over there on yep. Slack or whatever it is. So yep. you can see, I know, I know you guys got to have fun with Mason and those boys with that. So that's, that's good stuff right there. But uh, before we get rocking and rolling, and I know we'll talk about it more when we get into your fly index and whatnot, uh, I want everybody to know what you got going on, you know, with all your, your work you're working on. Yeah, so yeah, I'm lucky enough to have been invited uh, to participate on uh, some MLB stuff with Fantasy Alarm, of course, with uh, Friends with Fantasy Benefits as well, you know. You'll catch me uh, on their podcast this week. And then, uh, you know, some stuff with uh, Razball as well. 
I do the Sagnoff saves ain't got no face. So, uh, you know, uh, some, some closer stuff and a little bit of, uh, steals work as well there. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Everybody go check that out. And he also does, uh, some UFC work. So don't let him hide behind that one as well. So there's a little bit of everything right now, baseball season on the up and up. And when it comes to baseball season, it seems like it's injury season every single day. I think I, I, I have oh, fantasy man. alarm MLB Twitter on like automatic alert when they tweet. And yeah. if it's not a batting order, it's pretty much just a handful of injuries a day. So it's rather yeah, it's been brutal, rather brutal. Um, I, I want, I want to feel sorry for Justin Mason because his has been rough, <laughs> but I think, I think we've all had a little bit of the, of the injury bug find our rosters, probably not to that extent, but um, yeah, it's been pretty bad. Let's just get into some of the, the ones and kind of how the fantasy impacts play out here. Uh, Aaron Judge, this is a bad one. It was an oblique yeah. injury. It's a pretty, pretty severe one. Like we don't know the exact diagnosis because muscles heal at different rates. But when your manager basically says, when they ask him in the post game, "Hey, you think it's only a ten day deal?" and he says, "Not a chance," basically, that's not uh-huh. good because that's before the MRI comes out. So yeah. he's out for a while. Talkman's been playing. Frazier's been getting tons of playing time. Um, Gary Sanchez at least rehabbing should be back soon. But this Aaron Judge deal, what are you doing with uh, you know the Yankees outfield situation? Uh, if you're a Judge owner, how do you take care of this? I, I, I guess you just have to have hoped you grabbed either Clint Frazier or or Talkman, uh, you know, in in the interim. Uh, both of those guys have power and, and and could maybe give you a similar production. Obviously, they're not going to give you Aaron Judge, but yeah, the the oblique is a nasty injury for a hitter. It, it's going to take time. Yeah, it's very nasty. We've seen it time and time again. And, you know, to heal properly and a guy with his swing and his, like, he looks like if when he really gets into one, he can almost twist a hole into the ground. Yep. So um, that's going to be a, a big deal there. And it sucks because he's off to a pretty good start, as you'd expect. And Stanton hopefully comes back soon to help. But that Aaron Hicks is, I don't know if he's ever coming back. It seems like every time he's supposed to start rehabbing and whatnot, he just keeps getting pushed back farther and farther. Yeah. So it's a mess. I, I had a tweet. I could look it up, but we, we won't waste the time. The um, Yankees roster basically has an injured list that can be an all-star, you know, like with Didi and Andahar <laughs> and all these other guys. It, it's ridiculous who's on the I mean, d- list. did they hire the Mets old training staff or what? <laughs> if we were talking pitchers for sure, because, you know, Severino's still, what, like a couple yeah. months away, probably six weeks away. and Yeah, yeah it's brutal. Brutal, brutal stuff there. Batances on the deals. Yeah, go down the list. It's fun. But, uh, hey, they'll tell you 27 rings, so it's okay. Right. Um, let's talk Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, when the season started, it was all about which one of Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta would make the rotation. We were all excited when all three made the rotation. Then it's been rocky. Peralta, not a great start to the season. He's on the DL. Uh, Woodruff got beat up again yesterday. Corbin Burns has been just a home run machine, as in getting hit off of him. He's sent down to the minors. Those three guys, like, they're, they're a mess. They can get fixed in the minors. Are you kind of keeping your eye on picking them up when they come back, or are you just really concerned with what you saw so far? Yeah, I'd probably rank them Burns, Peralta, Woodruff as far as long-term interest. Uh, you know, Corbin Burns has got to get his fastball fixed. He's got to figure something out there, either the usage or, you know, just a way to throw it, a way to locate it, because the most of the damage was coming off of his fastball. Uh you know, we've seen guys have that problem before. Uh, Corey Kluber is a great example of that. You know, his, his fastball is garbage, but when he's at his best, it doesn't matter. So that's that can get worked out in the minors, hopefully. Peralta, for me, I'm a Peralta fan. He's He does it with deception, though, so uh, particular lineups are, are going to give him trouble. He's always going to be up and down. He's never going to really, I think, be that that dominant SP1 kind of pitcher so he'll be useful um if he's if he's with the team in the rotation Woodruff I mean he's always been a a bullpen piece for me I was surprised he made the rotation he's kind of a two-pitch guy and would fit really well in the bullpen their bullpen's kind of hurting uh, especially so uh, it wouldn't shock me to see him out of the three be the guy that that ends up in the bullpen long term yeah he seems like you know he did did well with that in the postseason so it wouldn't be far a far cry from that. And I think with Peralta, with that fastball usage, like it's tough for anybody to have a fastball usage that high, but he is effective with it. Like you said, when he's on and against the right teams, he almost feels like if he just slightly develop a second pitch, like it doesn't have to be a great second pitch, but develop Mm -hmm. one. He could be like another Archie Bradley type, like maybe not to that level and definitely not Josh Hader level, but one of those two to three inning kind of stop gaps in the middle there or something. Mm-hmm. We get one trip through the rotation, stuff like that. He might be very, very effective, but that could be another story for another day. 
Um, you hinted at the Mets being Mets. There was nothing more Mets than Jacob DeGrom this weekend. Like Friday afternoon, uh-huh. I get out of a lunch meeting. I talked to a, I think a different show about this already, that I, I get the update that Jacob DeGrom, had, his arm is um, barking. That's, <laughs> that's not what you want to hear out of nope. the former Cy Young winner that's already off to a pretty good start, but that, and giving him some home runs. Then he's going to be sent back to New York for an MRI. Saturday, there's video of him playing catch in the outfield. Sunday, there's video of him playing long toss in the outfield. <laughs> now they're calling off the MRI on Monday. That literally just came out. Ace starter Jacob DeGrom's MRI came back. Oh, they did it. It came back negative. So his elbow scare appears to be just that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I, I tweeted out uh, that, that, that Syndergaard had been named uh, Mets head trainer when I saw that they were considering <laughs> waiving the MRI. Like, what are you talking about? Like, give give your, your Cy Young candidate an MRI, please. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Like, are you concerned about this at all? Because, like, you know, when they say your elbow's barking after yeah. a side session and, you know, he threw for a bit, but, like, I'm, I'm worried about this a little bit. I mean, you have to worry with any pitcher that's having arm pain. The interesting thing is something similar happened with him last year in, in the early part of the season. I don't think this early, but all of a sudden, you know, he, he was not feeling right. It was a very similar circumstance. He was going to miss a start. He was going to miss some time possibly. And all of a sudden he was like, no, you know what? I think I'm good. He goes out and he, you know, pitches the rest of the season amazingly. Um, there was maybe a hiccup or two right right after that, but uh, not too far after his his arm troubles, he settled in and and you know was was such a great pitcher. So I guess you just have to cross your fingers and, and hope for a repeat performance there. But uh, it's definitely something to to, to give you a, a lot of concern if if you're a Degrom owner. Uh, anytime an MRI is being done, it, it's never great. No, it's never great at all. Elbows. He's already had, you know, Tommy John before, I believe. And it's just one thing after another with these pitchers this year. If they're not getting shelled on the mound, they're getting hurt. It's it's pretty crazy. So yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I'm concerned. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor. I have no orthopedic history, but uh, you have to assume any pitcher's MRI of their elbow just looks like a grenade went off in it. Uh, so. True. Like they're going to see things, and they're going to probably say yeah, they're not big deals. Like you're going to be able to continue pitching um and it's just a matter of, of probably how he feels well it's like they say like you can play through a partially torn ucl it's right. until it fully tears that you're like tanaka's yeah. had a partially yeah. torn ucl for like four years <laughs> so, he's the poster boy for pitching through it yeah it's just one of those things it's just like oh man the last thing i want to see is him take the mound on sunday i think they, i think they backdated it he can go out there on sunday and, and then you get to you know third inning he just throws one and goes and calls the trainer out or something it's like oh shit here we go again fastball into the dirt and walking off the mound that's not that's not what you want to see can sadly picture it is the sad part um let's talk about a former red Sox, blake schweihart once a top prospect in the system he's been shuffled between catcher outfield all over the place decent hit tool not a great hit tool the arizona diamondbacks picked him up when he was kind of the scapegoat like going boston um, is there any, you know, as we've said, all these injuries, and if Swihart gets playing time, do you have any interest in a guy like Blake Swihart? You know, if the league's deep enough, uh, I definitely would. He never really got a fair shake in Boston, and we've seen that happen before with teams where they just had too many of, of the same guy or you know, same player at a position. All of a sudden, they go to a new organization, clean start, and and actually get playing time, a little bit of confidence, and they turn into a decent player. So, I, you know, I don't think he's going to set the the world on fire or anything like that. But uh, if he gets regular at bats, he he could certainly be a useful piece. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. That's why I just wanted to bring him up for people because when he got consistent playing time, and that wasn't often, he actually he was a productive hitter in the bigs and you know with, with the diamondbacks team where he could easily find time if he gets hot it's not like a loaded team by any means uh he could he could get some depth with all these injuries we have like the next one two outfielder austin meadows of the tampa bay rays he's supposed to only be out 10 days with a sprained thumb but all sprains feel differently mm-hmm. but uh he, he's out first off we have to worry about that joey wendell gets at cleanup tonight first off what's your takes on austin meadows like are you i know we don't really know the, the details here but uh, off to a hot start, any level of concern, he's going to sit and wait. Uh, I believe I saw today they said they don't think surgery is going to be necessary. So that's obviously a great thing. It, it should heal much quicker than, uh, you know, I guess it, it's just a matter of him getting back into baseball activities, being able to grip a bat. Um, you know, you're, you're, you 
you've gotten some found value with Meadows so far. So you can't be too upset if you lost him uh, and he comes back fairly quickly. You, you just kind of have to hope that he, he gets into a similar groove. I don't think we're going to see him produce at that same level. I don't think you could have expected that all season anyway, but uh, getting him back to a big plus, I think uh, pretty quick. And no doubt about it. And, and then also in this transition of moves, they made Joey Wendell almost 29 years old comes back from the DL last year. He hit 300 when he burst onto the scene, seven homers, but 33 doubles drove in 61 stole 16 bags was a like fourth in the rookie of the year voting. Very, very talented ball player. Like I said, he can clean up tonight. We know that Ray's line fluctuates a lot, but he should be in a good spot in that order. Um, do you have anything, any takes on Joey Whittle from maybe people that don't remember him last year? Because it's not like a household name. Yeah, I was pretty pretty curious about Wendell coming into the season. I grabbed him in um, my auto new league, uh, gave up a little bit for him. Uh, so I, I was kind of stunned when, when he went on the DL so early, or IL rather. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to see him back. He does a little bit of everything. The hopefully the playing time is consistent. Uh, things are going to get crowded there in uh, Tampa Bay if they ever get everyone back healthy. Yeah, no, that's the it's the embarrassment of riches type thing. But something tells me the way baseball is going this year, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. Yeah, taking place. <laughs> Let's talk about another busted elbow, and this one sadly doesn't surprise me after what we saw in the postseason last year. What we saw on just history alone. Red Sox righty Nate Eovaldi. He left, or he was put on the deal with elbow. Um, what do they call it? Um, like objects, floating objects yeah. in his elbow. Loose, the loose bodies. bodies. That was the word. <laughs> loose bodies. Like first, we got barking elbow and loose bodies. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not a doctor, but I could name these things. Um, <laughs> and now they they did decide that he's gonna have elbow surgery, and he's had this same surgery for loose bodies before, and it took him two to three months to recover last time. Are you just saying drop Eovaldi and if he, he comes back, you pick him up? Or what do you do with a guy like Eovaldi? Yeah, unless you have a particularly large IL in your league. it's I, I was never really that interested in, in Eovaldi. He's a two-pitch pitcher. The Red Sox figured out a way to make him work, but you know that wasn't for a full season. It, it kind of coincided with, with, with their stretch run and into the playoffs. But you know I, I wasn't very high on him to begin with. So for me, it's it's a just write it off. And if he comes back, you know, if it costs you a couple bucks in fab, uh, you probably got better production out of not wasting a spot. Yeah, that's why I'm he's he's droppable for me. If he comes back, great. And even if he comes back, he's to me he's more streamable than like a full time guy you're going to want to roster yeah. all day. Kind of like you said. So it wouldn't break my heart. Now, sure, if you have a deep IL spots like sitting there, go for it. But as we've already stated over and over again. Those are getting fewer and far between. And if you play NFBC formats like we like to do, well, you don't have any of those. So he's a quick drop. Um, but uh, Gregory Polanco, back from the DL tonight, or IL. I keep saying DL as well. As I think <laughs> it's what it should be. But that's another story. Um, he's back. He already went two for two in his first two ABs with a double. He's picking up right where he left off. His rehabs went well. Um, you know, every offseason, there's the Greg, Gregory Polanco truthers that it's, this is the year. <laughs> and then it doesn't quite happen. The talent's there, but what's just your takes on Gregory Polanco? Do you like, are you believing this is the year, or what are your thoughts on him? I mean, if you got Gregory Polanco, you probably got him for cents on the dollar. So you're you're pretty happy that that he's already back in April because early estimates were were you know halfway through the season. Uh, so you know it's not even May to, to already be getting production out of him. That's that's a win for sure. Um, you know that that Pirates team is is uh, been a little bit snake bit so. Uh, he should stick in the lineup, obviously, uh, even with some struggles. Uh, hopefully, Marte comes back pretty soon. We're going to talk about him on your list here, too. But um, it, it's just been a, a matter of consistency with Polanco in the past. He showed flashes. He looks great. He's hitting home runs. He's stealing bases. And then he's batting, you know, 190 uh, the rest of the way. So th- that's that's a tough thing to do coming off of the IL, uh, not not having gotten a regular spring training and and all of the offseason work that everybody else got in. But I mean, he's had that before, so maybe this is what he needs is to just jump right into the to the fire. Could be. And that, that was always my concern with him is they were going to try to get him back as quick as possible. It's really no spring training. And we've seen the streakiness of Gregory Polanco, but I, I was kind of worried it wouldn't all be together. But it, it worked out, as you said, corresponding. Uh, Starling Marte to the 10-day IL with an abdominal wall contusion after his nasty collision 
with um, Eric Gonzalez that fractured his clavicle, his yeah. collarbone for those at home, and he's out 60 days. It was, it was, it was pretty rough looking, like full speed ahead. Um, yeah. Abdominal wall to me sounds kind of obliquey, but maybe not. But either way, 10 days I think would be kind of optimistic. Um, hopefully he comes back soon. Slow start for Marte, but do you have any takes on Marte? And uh, like you said, Polanco's up. We'll talk about some of the other guys that came up in the fab part of this. Yeah, you know, I, I think you just have to hope Marte heals. Uh, you know, you, you he like you said, a slow start for him. So you're you're maybe even a little bit relieved. You know, I have him in a few leagues, and I'm kind of like, well, I, I have him in one league where I had too many outfielders that are producing, and it's actually nice to have a spot uh, to be able to to pop somebody in who's producing and, and not worry about benching a guy like Marte. But uh, yeah, I would like to have him back sooner than later, and and hopefully he doesn't rush back. Uh, so um, I, I don't have too much concern. Abdominal wall, like you said, doesn't sound great, but uh, it, it's pretty muscular and, and things that are muscular tend to heal a lot better than uh, uh, things like tendons. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. So hopefully that comes to fruition and we'll go to the Philadelphia Phillies. Gene Segura is on battle and injury from late, goes to the DL. So does Scott Kingery. It's been a rough go there from Philadelphia. They go to Coors, don't hit a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Kingery was hitting going into Cooler, so it's good to hit there. Any thoughts on Gene Segura and Scott Kingery on the, on the IL and uh, what to expect maybe when they'll come back? It's all Segura they expect back this weekend possibly, uh, which would be nice. Um, Kingery, that yeah, that's a pretty big blow because he needed the playing time, um, and especially coming off of a really cold uh three quarters of a, of a season in 2018. So he, you know, he needed to get back on the diamond and, and, and get some confidence. And he looked like he was going to get it uh, with Segura going down, but injured himself on the IL. Um, I, you know, if you're stashing him, it's probably a deep league already. You're, you're going to put him on your IL and, and just wait for him to be activated. He's a guy that I bought a lot of best ball shares of. And uh, it happens to coincide with a lot of Trey Turner best ball shares. So that's a particularly Ooh. painful injury for me. I, I needed to get anything out of Scott Kingery I could in, in the interim of Turner's injury, but not to be. Speaking of Turner, it's not on the outline, but we can just spitball for a second. Um, he's been out for – it's almost three weeks now since that uh, – I'll never yeah. forget it. I was literally recording a podcast and saw it happen <laughs> on MLB Network, and I, I went silent because I saw what happened. Um, what's the latest but, but, as there, an owner? I? As, oh, I literally said, I'm like, what? But um, as, <laughs> as an owner, you must know kind of the situation that's taking place um, and, and the kind of when he should be back. What's the latest you've heard on maybe him returning to the, the Nets? Yeah, I think he's taking ground balls, uh, you know, which doesn't mean throwing to base to first base, but uh, it's good that he's out there. He's active. Obviously, the they're going to do everything they can to keep him sharp. Um, you know, my understanding was when he comes back, the the real challenge is going to be gripping the bat um, because it's, you know, it's your top hand. You're creating torque. Uh, it, it may even take a while after he returns. Um Hopefully, though, you know that he's got other parts of his game that he can uh, contribute with. The, the steals are a big reason you drafted him. So if he can get on base, uh, you know you're not going to be mad. You're not getting home runs out of Trey Turner. So as long as he gets on base and, and, and manages to start piling up some steals, which we've seen him do in, in uh, limited action before in portions of a season, so I'd, I'd be happy with some steals from Trey Turner uh, at all. Yep, yeah, I agree with you there. I was just curious. Uh, what you've heard, uh, last injury we'll talk about tonight is there are many we probably did not talk about, but we'll talk about Michael Walker. I put on the IL today with patellar tendonitis in his left knee. The Cardinals have not given any timetable for his return, and I was bullish on Michael Walker. And so far this year, in four starts, a one nine three ERA, 14 innings pitch, three earned runs, only nine Ks, but he's been very, very effective for the Cards. Mm-hmm. Um, anything on Michael Walker this year? Because he's kind of – he surprised me with what he's doing so far. I forget the source of it, but I think I saw something that said they don't expect him to be out long term. Uh, you know, so it kind of sounds like a, a situation where he was feeling something and it was probably affecting his mechanics uh, and was going to just snowball. Uh, and with pitchers, you have to be careful with their kinetic chain. One thing goes off in their in their leg; it spreads up all the way through to their arm, and and that's never good. So, uh, ask smart Luis move. Sever- ask, ask Luis Severino. Yeah. So yeah, a smart move by the Cardinals there. Get it, get him feeling better. Um, 
and, and hopefully back out there soon. It just misses the minimum amount of time. Uh, so I, until we hear otherwise, I'll, I'll kind of uh, be optimistic on that one. All right. Last piece of news. Vladito should <laughs> be premiering, debuting, jumping onto the major league stage in about 24 hours or less. Any just, we've all loved the idea of watching him play. Now we, we should get to watch him play. What are your takes on what do you think he does this season? Are you hearing Tuesday? Because I'm hearing Thursday or Friday. I've heard of many, many re- results. Yeah. But I know Bruce Bochy, the Giants manager, said everyone in the Blue Jays and Giants system expects tomorrow. It'll be it'll but be interesting because knows? there's definitely conflicting reports. Yeah, early or late last week, uh, a reporter it's came so, and it's said so that. Blue, it's so Blue Jays to screw yeah. this up, right? Like You should have brought him up last season and you still can't even get the proper <laughs> date right this week. Like, really? Right. And like, it, obviously what happened is somebody let something slip in the organization or, or, you know, was just giving some info out to, to a, a writer and the organization can't let it seem like they've got a, a predetermined date and they're going to push back and say, Oh, well, you know, we're, we're not sure it could be this week. It could be later. And that whole game. And yeah, they've handled it very poorly. Um, but I, had some reason in my head, April 26 sticks in my mind as the date Acuna came up last season. So it would be pretty interesting if both of those guys came up on the same date. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but yeah. Uh, what to expect out of them. Um, you know, uh, uh, probably over 300 batting average, plenty of power. Uh, he's not going to give you anything in the speed department. Obviously he's a, he's a bit of a unit, but the, what? uh, <laughs> The, the you know the hit the hit tool is it, it could be top five in the majors from day one. That's that's how amazing it's been. Uh, and, you know, um, Chris Liss is a guy that that likes to talk about Vlad in a really interesting way, and he says, uh, you know, what if Mike Trout went down to AAA? Would he hit four hundred? You know, what would he hit? You know, and, and look at what Vlad's doing. You know, Vlad's hitting in the 400s a lot of the time, you know, depending on the level, et cetera. But you you know, if you, if you contextualize it that way, like, you know, who are the, who's like trout or, or, or Mookie bets, the best players in baseball, if they went down to that level, what would you expect them to do? Probably things that Vlad has done. So uh, that's a, a, a interesting way to, to conceptualize what he could do coming up to the majors. No, I like that's a really good take on that. So it'll be fun. Regardless, you should see him this week. That's all I'm waiting for. Like he needs to be playing baseball at the major league level. Like I keep getting terrified because we know it's so close now that I'm yeah. going to see on the highlights that he gets hurt in Buffalo or something. So I, I'm just—it's all I expect these days. It's sad. Um, but let's talk about some fun, positive things. Let's talk about the fly index. Yourself, Brian Cray, developed this awesome new stat that helps kind of evaluate power potential. Is kind of where I, I look at it, or extra yeah. base hit potential from a fantasy aspect want everybody know what the fly index is and then what it can be used for on a fantasy level it could be daily or seasonal whatever you prefer right so to try and keep it fairly simple uh what it is what fly index is is it's the 85th percentile batted ball event for a hitter uh let me put that a little bit even more simple if you hit 100 balls it's the 85th one you hit why is this seeming to to have a correlation to home runs? Because if you're hitting the ball in the air, a, a long distance and hitting the ball in the air frequently, you're giving yourself a, a better chance to hit home runs, uh, especially with a juice ball. Like we're seeing in, in the 2019 season, we really want people that can hit fly balls. So, you know, the, the guys who uh, have that kind of warning track power, um, they're still going to have a lower fly index because they can't get their, their 85th percentile uh, to, to the same distance as a guy like Joey Gallo, who his 85th percentile um, from last season was almost a home run already. So it's, it's a really interesting uh, kind of way to, to look at it that really, I haven't seen anyone do it before. Uh, I mean, I hesitate to say it's a, it's a new stat or a created stat because the numbers were there. Brian and I just figured out a way to conceptualize it. Um, and, you know, his, his help has been instrumental. He's, he's the person who I came to him with this idea and I said, uh, you know, I think fly ball distance could be predictive somehow. 
and then he just took took the rest and, and did the math and came back to me and said, yeah, here's what I figured out. 85th percentile is, is the number we want to look at. And I said, great, let's write it up. Um, <laughs> that's the short, short nice. version. But uh, over the offseason, we, we workshopped it. We, we, we spitballed. Uh, and, and Howard Bender was was instrumental over at Fantasy Alarm at, at helping get it into an actual article and, and helping promote it. You know, he's been uh, kind enough to have me on uh, Sirius XM a couple times to talk about it and, and may in the future as well, which is a, a pretty fun experience. So big thanks to him and Brian. Um, but yeah, you know, what's what's actionable about Fly Index? Uh if you look uh, on my Twitter feed, um, Brian has, we're going to try and do the leaderboard every Sunday with, there's going to be no analysis there. Um, about once a month, I'm going to do analysis with Fantasy Alarm. That's going to be behind a paywall. So if you're interested, you can subscribe to Fantasy Alarm and and see my actual analysis. If you just want the numbers themselves and, and want to look at it yourself, uh, Brian's going to put that out every Sunday on his Tableau uh, profile. So the leaderboard... What you're looking for uh, are, are guys on there that we sus- we suspect are good, good, you know, power hitters. Are, are they home run hitters? Are they guys who put the ball in the air? Uh, you know, you pull the leaderboard up. You've got at the top guys like Gary Sanchez, Christian Yelich, Dan Vogelbach. Um, you know, th- these are guys who who smoke the ball. They hit it hard. Uh, Brian includes a couple things on there like exit velocity and launch angle. They're pretty helpful when you're analyzing this as well. You don't want to look at one stat and say, okay, I think this guy's going to hit home runs. You want to look at two and three stats together and say, here's a really, here's a really good profile. You know, you, you look at Dan Vogelbach's profile. He's got a fly index of 363, um, <clears throat> a exit velocity of 88 and a launch angle of 22. I mean, that's money. You know, that's exactly what you want. He's a guy in the top 10 of, of probably all three of those. So, um, it's a really nice way to say, okay, I, I trust Dan Vogelbach's breakout. Um, you know, Gary Sanchez, I trust what he's doing. He's back to being a power hitter. It was probably all injury in 2018 that, that limited him. The power we saw in 2017 is for real. So it's helpful on that front. And then you can also, you know, look at guys who might be a, a buy low. Uh, you know, last week I was touting guys like Hunter Dozier, uh, Willens Astadio, you know, on Dozier, you're probably you've probably missed the boat at this point, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, if you were the one who got him. But uh, you know, he he's he's on the leaderboard there at uh, 348, um, which is a really nice uh, uh, fly index. Anything above 330 is solid. Um, 350 is kind of like a, a nice benchmark as well. Uh, um, you got you know guys like Cody Bellinger right there, Peter Alonzo. Um, so you know, all, all big home run hitters. And then the last thing we can use fly index for is to say, you know, who are the guys that we should be taking their performance with a grain of salt? Um, a few guys I pointed out uh, in my article last week were Michael Franco, Derek Dietrich, and uh, Asdrubal Cabrera. They've all got a, a fairly low fly index number, but a, a really high home run percentage. Um, all of them had either like a nine or 10% home run percentage. So they just happened to hit a few balls really well in the early part of the season, if they don't continue or if they don't start to improve their, their fly ball uh, uh, distance, it's, it's probably not going to continue to translate into power. It's really hard to be a guy like Christian Yelich or Jose Altuve who, you know, they've actually got really great fly indexes so far because they're crushing the ball, but typically like their launch angles are about 17. They're not the guys who, who are hitting the ball um, with a lot of pull power, things like that. They're, they're guys who are gap to gap power, but uh, they're hitting the ball really well at the moment. So they are on the top of the leaderboard. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. I was looking at kind of the differentiating factors. You mentioned Vogelbach, you know, like a 12% home run rate, 88% exit velo or degree launch angle kind of things we're looking for. And you got Altuve right next to him, his launch angle's at 17. So is that kind of how you, you make it or break? You know, you're probably not saying Altuve is going to regress a ton, but you got to expect the power to come back down to earth a little bit. Is that kind of what you're, you're pointing at there? Uh, you know, with Altuve and Yelich, they're such an interesting case because nobody really thought they should have the power that they've shown at, at certain points in their career, especially Altuve being such a diminutive stature. Um, but, you know, uh, he was a guy that was hurt last year as well. And uh, it seems like he's back. He's hitting home runs um, and, and defying the odds again. Yelich with with the swing and the launch angle. I mean, he's got an amazing swing. But, he, you know, the, his knock when he went to to the Brewers was he doesn't put the ball in the air. Um, he, you know, he's, he's gap-to-gap power. He hits line drives. Um, 
well, he's got such quality contact that it hasn't mattered, uh, you know, for the second half of last season and, and so far this season. He was really, uh, w- when we first came up with this idea, you know, and I said to Brian, you know, what do you see? What, this is my idea. Uh, he came back with a, with a chart and, and it's the, it's my background on Twitter. If you want to go see it, that's also in my article uh, that's, that's pinned my, our initial fly index article, which is not behind the fantasy alarm paywall. If you want to take a look at it, but it's everybody in, in the cluster that you typically would see, you know, on, on a diagonal. And then Christian Yelich just like light years out by himself at the top, right. Um, and the chart is comparing, uh, first half average fly ball distance at second half home run rate. So he was hitting the ball in the first half really far in the air and just didn't have the home runs yet. And in the second half, we all know what he did and became MVP. No, most definitely. So that, that's a interesting way to go about it. A couple questions I have on this um, for fantasy angles, especially maybe even for daily fantasy per se, as this develops a bigger and bigger sample size, do you plan on doing maybe a splits? format here like how to hit distance versus lefties compared to righties and stuff like that yeah that'd be an interesting approach i should definitely run that by brian um a, a, a yeah lefty righty specific fly index uh for sure that that could that could definitely yield some results and then the other flip side of that in a roundabout way is you have the hitters here do you want do you do you ever envision doing a pitcher's version of this where like you know David has pitched tonight. We know he gives him so much hard contact, but does he give up hard contact that leaves the ballpark? Or does he give hard contact that just like, you know, hits the alleys for extra bases? Stuff along those lines where, you know, maybe the launch angle is not there with the exit velos there. So it's yeah, that's going, something, you know, 360-something like that. Right, yeah, that's something that's crossed my mind is because, you know, obviously uh, the hitters are half the equation. And and if we can look at this in a in a pitcher context as well um it'll be fair fairly interesting the initial hesitation that we had about it is um you don't get a great sample out of pitchers true until Very really true. far into the year uh you know one one visit to Coors or or a windy day in uh, Fenway um all of a sudden your your uh <laughs> your fly index would look off changes everything um, so, but yeah. yeah, I think I think by the end of the first half, that's probably something that will bear some results. It'll at least tell somewhat of a story. Um, you know, the samples in baseball are are never large enough anyway. You know, we think they are. We think one month gets us a little bit of of reliability. We think half a season gets us some true reliability. When people actually do studies, it's like you know, it takes years to, to for actual sample to normalize. So we just have to, you know, use what we can and, and try to take our best guesses. Yeah, now that's the thing. I hope I hope people that are looking at these things and they're great new tools like your fly index. I had James do his X home run for nine tool, and it's got kind of similar ways, but also different ways to look at pitching. Uh, we've talked to Alex Fast about his CSW rate with pitcher list. There's so many new tools we can use or stats we can use that. Obviously, I hope people have a use a grain of salt realizing, you know, this is just kind of a, a predictive or a helpful tool. Baseball's baseball. A lot of things can change. A lot of things can, you know, cold streaks, hot streaks happen, but this is kind of designed to point you in the right direction. I think this is a very interesting tool. You know, if you're playing DFS, if you're in a points league season long, or if it's like, okay, this guy might not be hitting home runs. You know, they said it about Machado forever, but he was a doubles machine. Like I just talked about Joey Wendell. I think he had like seven home runs last year. He had like 33 doubles. It, it's yeah. like, because everyone, you know, you know how it goes, especially when you first started playing fantasy. You go to the waiver wire and you sort by like home runs, or you sort by <laughs> something that's not really a manageable thing. But when you look right. at this, there might be someone that's so much better that you don't even notice. And that's kind of what I'm hoping people gain by listening to you, by reading your stuff. That this could be another helpful tool. There's there's really no one tool to do all of fantasy baseball, but having a bunch of different ones helps a ton. Yeah, well, and and that's the really interesting thing about all the Statcast stuff, and and Fly Index kind of falls in that that same realm. They're not taking into account results. You know, we're not saying yep. these are home run distances. We're just saying this is the distance the ball's traveling, and the higher the distance the ball travels at their 85th percentile, the more correlated that is to a home run. Same thing with exit velocity. A guy can kill a ball, but if it goes right to the third baseman, it's not an extra base hit. Um, yep. So you know, it's, it's one. It, the, the stat cast revolution has been really a, a, an amazing thing to be a part of in our fantasy generation. Yeah, I absolutely love it. It's I, I, I've said on this show many times, 
if I have like free time, sometimes I'll bring the laptop or the iPad on my lap and watch TV with the wife and I can go down a fat cat's rabbit hole like real yeah, quickly yeah. because <laughs> it's just so intriguing. Like you said is, and that's what your, your tool here is there's so many more things. And like I said, they're just home runs and RBIs to a good baseball player and a potentially a good fantasy baseball player. And that's what StatCast and what you've incorporated with StatCast and what others are trying to incorporate could bring to the table that it could be really, really tremendous. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see where this keeps going. I know you're a very strong baseball mind, and uh, Brian is very, very strong as well, and he's got the computer skills to do all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. So um, you're going to have a lot of fun with this. We kind of mentioned the splits. We kind of mentioned the pitching. You know, you don't have to let us behind the whole curtain here, but what's what's next? Like, what do you guys have planned next for this? So the next thing we, we want to dig into is uh, a, a closer look at 2016's correlation to the 2017 season when we saw a non-juiced ball turn like into that. a juiced ball, which you know we're, we're seeing from 2018 to 2019, or, or at least to date. You know, I, I don't think uh, any rational baseball mind would would say that there's not a good chance the ball is somehow juiced. Um, so you know, that's, that's going to be interesting because there were so many 2017 players that came out of nowhere, you know, um, guy, guys that were all of a sudden, you know, went from a 15 homer player to, to a high twenties and even a 30 home run kind of guy, your Logan Morrison's, um, uh, yonder Alonzo's, those kind of guys that figured out, well, if I can hit a fly ball and then all of a sudden this, this juice ball coincides with it, uh, good things are going to happen for me. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, we'll wrap that up there and I want everybody to check it out over at fantasy alarm. And you mentioned your Twitter bio and, uh, Brian's Twitter bio for all the updated good stuff there, but, uh, it's really cool. It's going to be cool to see where this continues to grow as, as a useful fantasy baseball tool. Um, let's talk about some of the weekly fab claims from TGFBI. Thanks to Smata as always for his amazing updated page that makes my life so much easier to do this. <laughs> Um, we'll kind of roll through as usual, the kind of most, most acquired guys or the kind of names that stand out the most. And we'll start it off with one of the two players that was brought up, um, over the weekend for the pirates. Didn't necessarily correlate with Marte, but kind of did Brian Reynolds being one of them. Five te- five leagues picked him up anywhere from $2 to $42. Um, I know him from being a giants prospect. He's, he's a good average guy, limited power, but this year was exit below is crazy. Already had five home runs on the season. He's going to get a shot out there in the outfield for now with the Pirates. Do you have mm-hmm. any takeaways on Brian Reynolds right now? You know, I, I actually didn't get a chance to to go too deep on Brian Reynolds. He was a guy that that didn't pop on my radar soon enough. Yeah, no, he's obviously only five teams. I thought he'd be way more owned, but uh, I think what it is is he might be one of the first ones to go back down. We'll talk about right. his other part, partner in crime in a minute, but uh, he'll be interesting. Uh, CC Sabathia of the Yankees, six teams picked him up anywhere from two to sixty dollars. Uh, Russell Eason in League Five got him for sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking on CC Sabathia? Um, I- I'm not over the moon for him, but what do you think? I mean, he's just figured out a way to pitch, and I think people are just counting on him being a a reliable rotation cog. Um, you know, you don't expect much from him, but you know, you you can just leave him in your lineup and and not have to worry about that seventh or eighth spot yeah i'm with you there now the fun begins cole tucker <laughs> the other guy for the pittsburgh pirates that came up i'm a big cole tucker fan got him in dynasty leagues uh the speed is legit 35 steel upside last year and he's developed power this season he went in every single league 26 dollars the low bid 340 bucks to ben brennis of league 16 Went for 334 to Toby, our boy, bat flip crazy in League One. In my league, he went for $137 to Patrick Donovan. What league mm-hmm. are you in? Uh, league Four. We were one of the low, uh, the low bids. Yeah, you uh, look, Walter McMichael yeah. got him. How'd you let Walter get him for $56? <laughs> but what's, what's your takes on Cole Tucker? This kid, it looks like he's going to have some playing time. As I mentioned, Gonzalez is out for at least 60 days with that broken clock. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the speed tool is what people are chasing here. Um, if you get a guy who who seems like he could stick and and you know manage to get you that kind of speed, um, these these aren't bad bids. I will say say one thing. I did an interesting uh, workup preseason on what it took to win TGFBI in 2018, 
and just some of the common themes of the teams that were top 20. And you know, I took the 13 winners and then a few more uh, as well that were, that were notably high on the leaderboard and very few ever bid over a hundred dollars. Uh, not, you know, only two of the top 20 teams had Juan Soto. Um, a lot of them did actually have Vlad, but they, they had got him very early in the going and, and didn't have to pay a lot for him. Um, so just something interesting to, to note that, you know, the, when you look at their, you know, their fab management, the teams that were, were so good in, in TGFBI, um, it's very active, but it's never, uh, it, they never try to solve their, their needs with, with a single dart. They, they just kept grinding. They, they kept bids in the, you know, 50 to 75, sometimes here and there over a hundred. Um, but yeah, like I said, very, very few and far between, uh, went, went over a hundred. So, you know, it's, it's something that'll be interesting. Obviously if Tucker hits and, and he steals 30 bases for you, it, it's worth, almost any amount of fab. Yeah. And that, that's going to be the catch. Can he do it? He started off smoking hot already three games in. Uh, he's getting the job done. Uh, the talent's there. It's be a matter of, can he get it done? I, I was one of those guys. I, I, I was gentle. I, I bid, you know, 50 or 60 bucks, but I, I was keeping all my stuff kind of close to the vest. I wasn't going crazy, crazy. As you mentioned, as last year I was, I, I you know, I, I blew it on Hunter Strickland and so many others. And it was, Oh, it was over so quick. But um, Fab's one of those fine arts that I'm still trying to figure out. Matt Modica, he was disappointed this week because it was just – the bidding was crazy. And, like, I, I listen – you know, you listen to the Roadwire. You've been on the Roadwire podcast. Like, Jeff Erickson's famous quote, I, I do a keep him honest bid. So I do that. I, I keep him honest bid, but uh, they were way more than honest apparently because um, they took them. But, uh, yeah, Cole Tucker, going to be a fun one to watch. He's everywhere in TGFBI now. But, um, yeah, hopefully he keeps it going. Let's go Danny Santana of the Texas Rangers went in eight or two, four, six, eight, ten leagues as high as $52 to Tim McCullough, as low as $1 to Nicholas Vanderhaa. Uh, he's burst onto the scene, Danny Santana, you know, former twin, former Brave. He's yeah. uh, hit 308 and 28 at bats of the homer, five ribbies, three stolen bases. Do you think this is legit why Ruben Ordor's out? I mean, we've seen him have hot streaks before. Uh, it's been a while, but he's only 28. Um, and he's certainly not not uh, over the hill at all. Uh, my concern on Santana is if, if he isn't, um, you know, really just over the top good when Odor comes back, uh, things are going to start to get tight. Um, he's going to start splitting time, uh, you know. That's. I don't think any of the bids are, are a bad bid on him. They're all, like you said, right around fifty or lower. Um, so if he gets you through a few weeks, then it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I'm with you there. He's, he's a good pivot point. He went for about the pr- right price range. We talk about not blowing the bank right there, but getting what you need. So I got no problem with that. As Christian Walker just hit a massive oppo taco. My goodness, nice. Um, Eric Swanson of the Seattle Mariners. He went from anywhere from two to sixty dollars. Sixty dollars to our boy Alex Chamberlain. Great team named Hot Fudge Car Wash. Um, <laughs> Swanson, that's amazing. That's an absolutely amazing name. And uh, six and, uh, you, bids, one earned. You should What's probably up? note the uh, the second highest bid is is Vlad Sedler, our, our friend Roto Gut. So fifty eight. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Vlad is a a master Shark. of the of the uh, the the wire. The so. Name. It's uh, it, it, you you may be uh, regretting missing out on Eric Swanson. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say, what's your take on him? He had one really big start, and uh, I believe he's got another good way to get the Giants tomorrow night. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Vlad was on Twitter today talking about that. Is is a lot of his fab action is very uh, week to week. So you know, does he have a good stretch here in the next couple of weeks? He's a little bit more aggressive on a guy than. Um, He's, you know, his, his overall sentiment was people tend to get too bogged down on, you know, who's going to be great rest of season. Well, you know, the season's going to play out. So get what you need now, you know, spend your fab on that and, and worry about churning your bench uh, for rest of season, rest of the season. You know, don't, don't worry about two months from now, worry about who's going to get you through these next two weeks. Yeah. I hundred percent agree with that. That's a good thread. He had going on his Twitter at RotoGut earlier today. We'll kind of go through these last ones here pretty quick. Uh, Homer Bailey, he started to pitch really well. The splitters there went as high as 54 bucks, went in over half the leagues this week as he was potentially going to have a two-step. Looks like it's going to be pushed back to next week. Are you believing in Homer Bailey, or are you just traumatized from years past? <laughs> you know, I don't know how he could be a different pitcher at this point. I guess anything's possible, but, you know, without introducing a new pitch or a new grip, uh, which I, I don't believe he's done, Um 
it's probably going to be a a period of of solid pitching followed by a a period of launching into the moon. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I took the gamble on him at $21, um, and I'm going to pray a lot. I don't go to church very often. (laughs) But um, Hunter Dozier, like you said, he's pretty much gone now. I I was was touting him for about three weeks now. You you weren't going to get him cheap. He went as high as 171. J.D. Davis up to 82. His stat cast actually resembles Hunter Dozier quite a bit. But let's go to Jared Eikhoff. Went from here from 8 to 178. It was 8 to 66 for like 12 teams. And then Shelly, I'm going to butcher this. I'm not going to attempt it. Shelly V from Fantasy Friends of Fantasy <laughs> Benefits at 178 bucks. Um, and and recently uh, Fangraph. She, she's got, oh, I think, right. a gig with Fangraph. Fangraph. That was good. Kudos to Shelly. Um, but Eikhoff, you know, he's going to be taking Pavetta's spot in the rotation. What's your thoughts on him? He's such an interesting case because he was a guy that the Phillies put a lot of stock in a few years back and then just had some really strange health stuff uh, go on. Um, you know, he, he pitched okay in cores. So, you know, we're still kind of in a wait and see. Uh, I, I don't know that he's a long-term solution. Obviously if he pitches well enough, he sticks in the rotation, but uh, if Pavetta gets fixed in his minor stint, he's going to be looming. Um you know, they've, they've talked about either trading for guys. Uh, I'm surprised they haven't signed Dallas Keuchel, um, you know, given that they feel like they need a, another pitcher. But, you know, uh, I, I think there's there's possible external threats as well. So, um, you know, uh, interesting that so many people were in on a guy that, that had a, a core start uh, <laughs> before, right, right as they were bidding. That's what kind of surprised me on that one. I've, I've never really been a full Eikhoff guy, but maybe that's just me. Uh, let's talk yeah, about Michael Chavis. He got called up by the Red Sox as Pedroia's back on the DL. As a guy that grew up playing baseball with Pedroia, he needs to just hang it up, but he's too stubborn to do that. <laughs> so uh, Chavis went from here from $10 to $271. The kid's really, really talented. Tons and tons, tons of powers. Maybe PED enforced as he was suspended for that. Mm-hmm. But um, they had him playing second base in, in uh, the minors to get ready for this. Are you in on Chavis or are you uh, more of a Cole Tucker guy? Uh, do you think Chavis's defense is good enough for second base? I don't think so. And I think the fact that he got called up and he only pinch hit the second game and finally played the third game says a lot to that. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they've got Nunez. Uh, I know they're, they're kind of taking it easy with Devers in spots as well. So Nunez can play over there. He's going to mix in, but um, I don't, you know, I think over a hundred dollars is, is maybe a little too much on Chavis for, yeah. for my, my personal uh, budget. Yeah, Jason Collette went 271. I'm not going to razz on him the way the boys at ITL razz on because that was priceless. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Collette went above and beyond. He was, he was $254 above the next closest bid. Yeah. Like, that's always the worst feeling, but that's a big gap. Uh, and two more it, pe- yeah. You know, uh, uh, Ron Chandler wrote a really nice piece earlier this season in The Athletic about how it's kind of senseless that this is our style of, of – um, fab, we, we should be using a Vickery system where you're only $1 more than the next closest bid. hundred um, percent agree with that. makes no sense, but keep them honest, I guess. Yeah. Um, two more people I want to ask you about when I need like two seconds of your game of Thrones time. Um, <laughs> Mike Talkman, he's getting the playing time. Alex Chamber, we mentioned earlier, big fan of Talkman. I know um, I got outbid by Mr. Weatherwax. He went up to 58 bucks. I bid me by 27 Joe Galina of Fantrax got him for 81. Um, he's getting the everyday playing time. We know the power is legit, and he's, he's taking advantage of it. Uh, you have Mike, a Mike Talkman guy, or would you rather have Clint Frazier? I would probably say Frazier, given that he was called up first and, and he's been in the system. Um, yeah, I really didn't know who Talkman was uh, until this this previous this offseason, and uh, uh, I happened to be in a best ball league with Alex and, you know, his final pick was Talkman. And a lot of people were kind of like, who, who's this? You know, it, we, it's a fairly deep league. It's, it's a uh, 12 teams, 40 picks. So you're, you're drafting 480 people, but even still, that was a little bit of a surprise uh, given that he was still in the Rocky system and, and probably blocked a good bit, but he was a believer. So uh, he got on my radar there and, and uh, you know, I, I grabbed a share of him here and there. Uh, and a couple of deeper best balls, things like that. Um, so interesting that, you know, even despite the trade to, to the Yankees, he's now getting some playing time and uh, hitting some home runs. So um, if he sticks, if if the two big guys, uh, you know, either don't get back that quickly or have any kind of setbacks in their rehab, he's going to be looking at some significant playing time. 
yeah, I like him quite a bit. Uh, I grabbed him where I could. Like I said, I got out big by Colin in that one. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to like there. Our last guy I want to specifically ask you about, Ronnie Elias of Seattle. He got a couple saves last week when we all thought mm-hmm. it was Swarzak's job. Elias gets a couple. It's just like he has three now on the season. He went for as high as 135 bucks to Matt Kupferly. I apologize for number fire. Um, what's your thoughts on that Seattle bullpen? Yeah, pretty interesting there. I actually grabbed a couple shares of him uh, in, in a couple of NFBC leagues, not this Sunday, but two Sundays ago, um, just given that they, they gave him a really long leash in one of his appearances where he loaded the bases and, and they let him stick it out. And I was kind of like, well, if they've got this kind of faith in him, you know, to, to win a game for them or save a game for them, uh, maybe he's worth a look. They had seven games last week. So I said, you know what, even if it is Swarzak, hopefully, you know, you can squeeze a save out at erroneous and, um, it, it worked out pretty well. Uh, we'll see going forward. I, I think Swarzak still is kind of their their guy that they want to match up with the toughest part of the lineup. He's their fireman. Um, and, and there's also a threat on the horizon. I, I believe the guy's name's Chasson Bradford. Uh, he was a guy a lot of people thought would get the gig right before Swarzak came back. Um, he sounds like he's getting close to returning as well, so that, that could turn into yet another threat to saves in Seattle. But, you know, if, if you're buying these guys on, on the waiver wire, I, I don't hate that none of them have the consolidated job. That just means that, you know, you're, you're only going to get 15 saves instead of 25. And if, you, if you're not set up in your in your bullpen, in your fantasy teams at this point, uh, you're, you know, you're behind anyway. Exactly. Uh, we don't need to get any takes on these. I just want to remind people, the reason why I go through these is so you can catch on certain people. We talk about the big names. We, we you know we joked about Tommy Lastella earlier, but if you look at who added these places, these uh, him this week: Christopher Kaltenbach, Al Melchior, Scott Pianowski, Ian Kahn, Gray Albright, and Jason Johnson. Some very very talented people in the industry. So they're seeing something. They didn't have to pay for much. And then um, you know you see Zach Davies go for 183 bucks. That stands out quite a bit. Um, but yeah, everybody go check all that stuff out before we wrap this up, Mike. I need to talk to a, my Monday night tradition. Now we talked game of Thrones, recent episode season right. two or season eight, episode two wrapped up last night, many mixed reactions. Some mm-hmm. didn't like it. Some loved it. I was not mad about it, but I could see the I could see the anger. Um, what was your overall takeaways from the basically build up to one of the greatest battles ever next week? Yeah, I tend to enjoy these kind of episodes more than most where there's a lot of dialogue and, and you know, uh, character interaction versus just sword swinging and uh, nudity going on. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was they they it could have been better, I think, but they did a really good job of of tying together these characters we've been invested in for such a long time now. They've all finally gotten into one place. Uh, some some very fun interactions. Some of it was a little bit uh, tired to me, like Tormund, uh, you know, being after Brienne. That's kind of been played out, and they're sticking with it. Uh, same thing with with Lyanna Mormont. Like, you know, it was it was cute in in, in the first time, and now you just keep bringing her back out to be this tough twelve year old, and it doesn't do anything for me. It, it was it was fun the first time, but you know, maybe let that one uh, uh, die off, but. Yeah, I liked your uh, – you had retweeted somebody uh, who had pointed out how many times they mentioned how safe the Crips are going to be uh, yes. in, in the coming episode. <laughs> yeah. Don't we realize that he brings the dead back to life? Yeah. <laughs> like, so, yeah, pretty that's, sure that's going to be go well. Yeah, that's going to be uh, pretty weird. And and, and I got to plug real quick. I, I'm doing a, a quick little fantasy game for this episode, uh, episode three. Uh, if you check my Twitter, uh, you, you pick five characters with a $15 budget. You know, it's one of those five by five grids. Um, and the better characters are $5 and the worst characters are $1. And, and it's going to be a Walker count. There's some scoring. So if you're interested in that, go ahead and check it out and, and tweet me your responses. I highly, go, I highly recommend checking that out. We'll talk more Game of Thrones in depth later, but it was interesting. I think just the... The interaction we saw was perfect because we have to realize there's probably a good chance a lot of these people don't make it through the next episode. So this was yeah. the last like like human of these people. So there's kind of some build up there. It was pretty darn awesome. Last question: Who wins the Game of Thrones? Who is on the Iron Throne, or how does it end for you? Uh, for me, my my guess has has been lately that uh, Samwell and Gilly are the only survivors in all of Westeros, and and the so series cute. the series ends with them on a rowboat uh, back to Essos uh, because that's you know the only place where where the winter is not going to reach. 
That's outstanding. That'd be perfect. But yeah, I can't wait to look on Daenerys's face when John tells her who, she, who he was. It was outstanding. <laughs> so um, really good stuff there. But uh, it's going to be a fun one. Before we let you go, Mike, why don't you plug everything you got going on and let people know where they can find you? Yeah, so you can catch my weekly advanced analytics column where I feature things like Fly Index over at Fantasy Alarm, fantasyalarm.com. Uh, you can get, get some of my work at Friends with Fantasy Benefits as well and at Rasball. Uh, my Twitter is at Roto underscore Juan. If you want to catch me there, happy to interact uh, uh, on the social media. Awesome. Everybody go check him out. Great stuff he's got going on over there. Uh, Mike, as always, thanks for joining me on another episode of Bench with Bubba. It's a great time, and we'll, we'll like always do it again sometime. Appreciate you having me, Bubba. All right, everybody. This is episode 164 of Bench with Bubba with Mike Alexander of Fangraphs, of Razball, and of Friends of Fantasy Benefits, talking fly index and much, much more. Catch you guys later.